0: How is it that some salespeople always make it happen? What are people making six figures a month in their 20s doing different than you? The GOAT Guide is for salespeople, hustlers, and entrepreneurs that are looking for the mindset, habits, and actions that guarantee extreme success and big paychecks. You've tuned into The GOAT Guide, a training ground for salespeople to go from good to great to GOAT. We've got Adam Webb in the studio today, and you guys can watch the actual video recording on YouTube. I'll post it in the description below, but just a quick overview about Adam. Um, Been in door-to-door for 16 years. You have four patents with Vivint products, okay? Vivint Smart Home. Um, And then you also are the author of two incredible books, um, six figure summer and seven figure summer. Me and Adam have tried to connect like four or five different times. We actually connected one time. It was a technical difficulty on my end. We had an awesome conversation, and it turns out that I didn't record any of it.
1: Hey, it was, it was a good convo. So it's all good.
0: Yeah. And you're over at Ion Solar. Yeah. Yeah. You and I met when you were at Vivint. So you've had a really interesting just door to door career in, in general. It's been awesome. For anyone who doesn't know Adam Webb, how did you get into door to door?
1: Oh man, I just I moved up to Utah from San Diego. That's where I'm from. And I was I was broke. I was pretty behind in life. And really I was just trying to figure out how to be an adult and pay my bills. And I I kind of knew inside I was destined for great things. I just wasn't in a position to expect that cuz I had no skills and had only ever been broke and I found door-to-door sales around that time the industry was budding and and it just occurred to me and seemed logical that if I could learn how to sell and be a top performing sales rep I would just be set for life that that skill would transfer anywhere and if I can make good money and get ahead financially while doing it, then that's perfect.
0: Yeah, and you moved from San Diego. You said you were broke. Like, was your dad a lawyer?
1: Yeah, my my dad was definitely not a lawyer. He was homeless for a lot of my uh, upbringing. My parents divorced when I was young. My mom worked the night shift at a hospital. So I I was split between them. And uh, he was off and on between work. So no, I, I didn't come from money or have really any models for, you know, like phenomenal success. Um, My parents were both great, loved them both, had an awesome upbringing. But yeah, in terms of like professional success and financial success, none of that was in the picture. So yeah, when I moved up to Utah, like I had no resources, there was nothing to fall back on. I had to just, I was kind of on on my own just to go figure it out.
0: And how did you kind of hear about door-to-door, just through a friend, through a roommate?
1: Yeah, this was my first year knocking doors was 2007. And the whole industry kind of started right around 2000. Started in in the sense of what it is now. Obviously, door-to-door has been around for a long time, but in its current form and state. So it was pretty new, but yeah, there were definitely people up here in Utah that had gone and done it enough of them that I decided to go do it. So it was totally random. The guy I went out with, I didn't know him before signing up. It was just an alarm company going to San Diego. I was trying to go back home. And so I signed up to go do it and kept with it for 14 years. I knocked, knocked hard.
0: I mean, obviously you did good enough to stick with it, but like that first summer, was it everything you hoped that it would be?
1: First summer was awesome. I mean, it was amazing because I had really low expectations. Like my goal was to make 12,000 bucks. I came up with that number because I needed to fix a car that I had talked someone into donating to me a stranger. Uh, I needed to pay off a little debt, prepay for school like 12 grand is what I was my expectation was just how I thought about myself and what I was capable of. And that first summer, I made a lot more than than that and so that's what got me to go do it again summer two i was married we cleared six figures and then it was like well let's just keep doing this as long as it's good and we're still in it it's still
0: amazing yeah it's still good how much did you make your first summer Forty two thousand. so you had the goal of 12 grand you made 42
1: And, and for me at that time that was like I had never conceived of that much money in, in a bank account at one time. It was like I was ready to retire at that point because I'm like, how am I going to spend all this money over the course of my life? You know, so it, it was true. It really was life changing for me.
0: So what separated you from the reps who had a goal of 12,000 and only made 12,000? Like, why were you different? What made you successful when so many people in this job just aren't? I kind of see my
1: upbringing as an advantage. When I got into it, I really had nothing to lose, uh, nothing to be embarrassed about. I think failure affected me differently. Like a lot of people go do the job and it's the first time they've really experienced failure and difficulty and suffering in their life. And so they quit or the job forces them out. And for me, like... I don't know it just did the failure and the difficulty it just it didn't affect me as much because i was bred in in that environment and i also recognized early on that hard work was the great equalizer so i i realized that sales didn't care what about my background it didn't care about my resume that i had been homeless none of that it's sales really only seemed to care about two things how hard I was willing to work and how far out of my comfort zone I was willing to be uh, to be successful. And those were two things that were completely within my control. And so I just decided, well, if I just outwork everybody in the long run, I'll out earn and outperform everybody. And that's exactly how it worked over a decade plus.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was your first summer, second summer. Like you obviously have carried that on. Um, but I think one thing that a lot of people, a lot of listeners, they've made it past those early years where it was really hard and they didn't have anything. And now they don't have the same motivation to dig like super deep. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of reps switch to solar because they don't want to knock. They're hoping to recruit a team of setters and hoping that it's just going to be easy. How were you able to keep in the game? even after you'd made obscene amounts of money.
1: Yeah, it's time to find a new hard. And really that's just expanding your vision. So that's cool that you're a top performing rep. Congrats, like truly, you know, that's, I was a top performing rep, top in the company, top 1% performer, super difficult, rare, very hard. But yeah, once you've done that for multiple years, what's next? Well, a very natural progression path in our industry is leadership, management, recruiting. Can you teach other people to experience the same success that you experienced? Can you duplicate yourself and other people? And then once you run the top team, and check that box, then it's can you lead leaders? Can you duplicate, you know, other people in a way that allows them to go experience the same success you experienced as a manager and a leader? And then it's just scaling your org. So just don't get complacent and plateau. And I'll I'll be the first to admit that that's exactly what I did. I, I was a top performing rep for five years before I bothered to have my vision expanded on being a leader. And then I was a top manager for five years until the vision of regional management and leading leaders was kind of forced on me. And then I saw it and went and executed on it. And then eventually um, fulfilled an executive, uh, role. So like I look back on my career and if I had a time machine, I would just go back and say, Adam, you are capable of way more than you think. So quit thinking small. And if I had done that, I, I could have got where I, I got a lot faster. I was for sure my, my biggest limiting factor throughout my growth. But if, if, if guys are finding and gals are finding themselves in a spot where the job is not hard anymore and it's not exciting and they've kind of plateaued, it's time to expand your vision.
0: I think oftentimes in door to door reps don't understand like how important the here and now is like you said you wanted to go back in a time machine and just like rattle yourself. You were already a top rep, right? But I think one thing that's made you different and why you've succeeded so much more is because even though you were a top rep, like you were willing to keep pushing, you weren't satisfied with where you're at. And I think oftentimes reps just don't stay hungry, they get satisfied. And so, therefore, they're not willing to push like super hard. They end up regretting it later.
1: Yeah. Reps will compare themselves to other reps who are performing worse than them and feel okay about their performance. And the top reps, every every rep that I know has an insatiable appetite for success. If they're at 10 sales on the day, y- you can't tell whether they're at one sale or 10 because they're pushing just as hard for number 11. I know that's how it is for you and why you put up the numbers you do is it doesn't matter how many you've sold. There's more potential to be pursued.
0: Yeah, I want to kind of focus on the opposite side of the spectrum a tiny bit as well because you said top reps whether they're at one whether they're at 10 like they're pushing super hard like what does that look like if you're not a top rep and also how can we change that
1: yeah so again it's all vision my transition from being a bottom rep to a top rep happened on a phone call a leader in in my company at the time called me and said hey adam i've been watching you i've been tracking your stats i've talked to people who work around you. And I want you to know that I believe you are the type of person that could perform at the highest level. I think you could be a top 1% percenter in the company, I think you can make six figures. And I want you to know when you do, it's going to change your life. And I respected this individual. And so I believed them. And it was really the first time where those gears started turning in my head where it's like, maybe I am a top performer maybe I am number one. And once once that reality took hold in here, then I started acting like a top performing rep and working like a top performing rep, talking like a top performing rep. And it was almost like the universe was just kind of waiting for me to wake up and realize it. And then it was like, cool, yeah, let's let's get to work, bending and morphing and adjusting reality to conform to web being a top performing rep. And then it it happened. So it all starts with vision, you're never going to perform beyond your own self concept. So if in your heart of hearts, you just think you're not a top rep, you think there's some magic difference between you and top performing reps that some chasm you're never going to be able to cross, then as you wish, you're just going to stay stuck there. But if you can internalize the vision, you'll get there.
0: Yeah the only thing that really differentiates reps is just what they're, willing to, what they're willing to believe. Because like a top rep, like you, you believed that you could become a top rep. And so all of a sudden, and this is the key point, you started doing what top reps do. You started acting like a top rep. And therefore, it, just, it was a foregone conclusion that you were going to be a top rep. Like if you eat healthy, you're going to be in better shape there's no way around it. And if you eat candy, junk food, fast food all the time, you're going to get fat. There's not really a way around it. And so by believing that you could be a top rep and starting to act like a top rep, you were able to become a top rep. And yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight that because so often, I don't know, the reps who are just struggling, the ones who don't enjoy the job, who aren't making the money that they wanted, it's because they're limiting themselves and they're not willing to do what it would take to be a much more successful version of themselves. So one thing I did want to ask you, Adam, like, what are some of your most memorable moments on the doors, your most memorable moments in the job?
1: Yeah, I, I loved sales competitions, just those moments where the whole team rallied, unified, dug deep and found a purpose beyond their own self benefit and their own commissions and just those opportunities to lead from the front and those those were always those were always my favorite moments being a clincher for my team going out and throwing up huge numbers and then seeing other reps on the team level up in ways that they didn't think were possible really really all my favorite experiences on the doors revolve around watching other people have their vision expanded and then go in accomplishing things they didn't think was possible. And then they become new people through that process and have their lives changed.
0: Yeah, didn't you sleep? You slept at a customer's house during a competition, right?
1: I ran my region out of Southern California for a lot of years. Um, the, the 15 freeway going up from like LA up to the high desert on your way to Vegas caught on fire so we made it up but it got closed after we got up there so a lot of the reps were like ah there's a back roadway that goes down through big bear it's like four hours and we were in the finals of a competition final matchup last team the the day after was the last day of the competition and i was like if i go back down the hill to our apartments, I might not be able to get back up to area and I need to be able to just throw down for this competition. So, um, yeah, one of our customers explain the competition, which by the way, I I highly recommend you do. If you're ever in a sales competition, break that down for the customer, get them bought in. I've gotten so many sales from customers that really just wanted to like help us win. But I broke it down, explained the situation. All the hotels were booked and was like, hey, uh, what if I crashed with you guys tonight? And just basically pitched them on sleeping at their house and they loved it. They thought it was the coolest thing ever. So we all ate dinner together. I went to Walmart and bought some pajamas and a toothbrush. In alarms, the technician comes and installs it right after you sell it. I came out of the bathroom. I had showered, my hair was all wet, and the technician was there and installing it. And he's like, Adam, what what are you, what are you doing? Right, I'm in pajamas in the customer's house. And I was like, "Uh, oh, I was gonna go to bed. Like, did you need something? And uh, woke up the next morning, walked out the front door, turned right, and started knocking. Shortest commute to area. We threw down, we won the competition but yeah that was that was definitely a highlight for for my knocking career. That was a fun experience
0: well, and what's so sick about that is it's just like everything's getting in your way, and you're just like, nope, it really didn't matter. You know, you literally had to go buy new clothes and yeah, just knocked in the neighbor's door. Hey, how's it going? Like you know Rob next door, and yeah, not only did you just sell him, but you just slept at his house oftentimes when you do get people bought into the competitions, especially in things like alarms or solar something that is a little bit more permanent um than maybe a pest control or like garbage services that kind of thing is you'll get some you'll get a lot of referrals just by kind of making that connection with the customer and also helping them see your bigger picture as well so definitely not something to definitely not a conversation to avoid and I also love in competitions like the energy the like the jitters of hey i've got to close this quick i've got to move fast and it's interesting because even though like for me i'll close way faster or i'll get the deal done way quicker my closing percentage is actually higher typically a weird little thing that i've noticed over the years when i have more time to explain things oftentimes i have a lower likelihood of getting the sale were there any other crazy like experiences that you had with your team during competitions Mm,
1: during competitions specifically man i remember another time i came out of a house and i was like man i swear i parked my car in front of this house because i would prospect a lot in my car and let's just get out and knock or get back in drive around i'm like i swear i parked it here it's not here I'm like, well, maybe I maybe I parked it and walked. I would do that sometimes. Like, I start walking around and get in the zone and whatever. So I'm walking around. I can't find it anywhere. So I go back to my customer's house and the text they're installing, and I see glass all over the road. And I'm like, oh, someone broke into my car. And there's a guy sitting across the street. I go over and talk to him. I'm like, hey, did you see someone steal a car? And he's like, this is this old guy in St. Louis? He's like. Yeah, he came in like grabbed one of my rocks out of my yard and like smashed the car window and drove off. I was like, "Cool, you just watched the whole thing. That's awesome." So I I uh, went and talked to my customer. I'm like, "Hey, can I like use your phone?" Or like, "You're never gonna believe what happened. I, my car got stolen." She was on the phone with her mom. She's like, "This this sales rep. They came to my house and set me up. His car just got stolen." And I was like, "Who are you talking to?" She's like, "My mom." Like. Let me talk to her. So I'm like, hey, are you uh, so and so's mom? She's like, yeah, are you the guy who just had your car stolen? I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. I was like, hey, do you, do you have an alarm system? She's like, yeah, I do. And so I gave her a quick pitch, had my customer drive me over there and sell her mom. And then into the sale, the mom's on the phone, like, who are you talking to? She's like, my other daughter. I'm like, let me talk to her. Same thing, get on the phone. She's like, are you the guy that had your car stolen? And repeated that process five times. So immediately after my I got my car stolen, I sold five deals. Just like networking through these family members that just thought it was the funniest thing that like this sales rep had gotten his car stolen. So I know a lot of reps would be like, Days done, car stolen, like what am I supposed to do now? But if you have the right mindset, it turns into an opportunity, you know, and that helped us win whatever competition we were in and wound up being an epic story. But That's another one that I love.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. Almost everybody would have just like dwelled in that or they would have focused so much on it. And I think that that is a huge difference from the top 1% and the other 99 is the top 1% just stays focused on like the goal, on what's going to get them to the finish line. And yeah, by just staying focused and just being diligent and pushing, That's how you win. That's how you become a top one percenter. Okay, and so that's kind of when you were selling with mostly alarms, mostly Vivint. I know that you switched into into solar. What was your reasoning for for joining solar after being in alarms and having an amazing experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I did solar in tandem with alarms. So when I originally switched to Vivint in two thousand twelve it was when they were launching solar as a product. Originally, it was supposed to be both, smart uh, smart home alarms plus solar. So that was the original intent. And when they broke it off into Vivint Solar, I continued to run like an alarm solar hybrid program, just kind of on my own. And then Vivint took some stabs at having a formalized solar program as well. But really, that was my first experience in solar. I was in DC in two thousand. Uh, 12. And my buddy was running one of Vivint's first solar offices, I went and shouted a solar cell and was like, this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen the value proposition of the customer, the commission of the sales rep, I was like, this has to be a part of my business and my sales process and everything. So I did that the whole eight years I was at Vivint had like a hybrid solar program. And then eventually it was just time to do it full time. So that was when I left. Uh, Vivant joined Sunder as their chief revenue officer, had a couple awesome years there, working more like on the corporate back-end side. So kind of serving and supporting sales reps and sales leaders from a, a corporate role. Uh, and yeah, that's that's been my solar journey. It's been awesome. I love the product.
0: What would you say to anyone who's wondering if they should switch into solar?
1: Just go try it. I mean, I would tell my leaders um, at Vivint all the time, it's like, man, we'll lose a rep to another alarm company, we'll get them back, we'll lose a rep to a pest control company, we'll get them back. When, when our reps leave to go do solar, they never come back. So I think the proof's in the pudding, Just just go try it. And I still love, I, I love all door to door. So there's lots of models, there's lots of products, there's lots of ways to be successful. I have an abundance mentality. So I think you can go out there and not sell solar, sell other things and see great success and have a great experience. But solar is just on another level and the penetration's so low. It's like getting to, to go start back in the very first days of when these pest control and alarm companies were starting up, you have that opportunity right now in solar because penetration's so low and it's such a nascent industry. So it's really
0: exciting. That is an interesting thing to highlight. I only know of like probably a handful of reps that have transitioned into solar for more than just like a week or two and gone back to whatever other industry they're in. It's just kind of a, it's kind of a gold rush. At least right now it is, you know what I'm saying? I don't think that it will be as lucrative for, I don't know, like 10 years from now. I don't think that a $15,000 commission check is really possible. You can get a 15 grand commission check on a deal, which is sick. So over all of your 14 years of knocking, what was the lowest point for you? What's your low moment? Talk me through that.
1: My my honest lowest moment in door to door was probably I had a I had a rep I was close with that passed away. And like losing someone, losing a friend always sucks. But in this particular case, it was like just especially difficult because going back to what I was talking about before, how you know, looking back on my career, I recognize all of the joy has come from watching other people succeed and being a part of that story. So for this rep, he was like opposite ends of the spectrum. Low, 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 low performer, low expectations for his life, hadn't accomplished much, but he had some of these experiences and I was able to be a part of them that I described earlier of leveling up, accomplishing things that he didn't think was possible, having his vision expanded, wondering what he might be capable of pursuing that potential, actualizing it like, and so he was just on this path, he 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 recently was on the path of performance and success and all of that. And then it was just and then he was just gone um, out of nowhere. And so that was really hard for me. Um knowing that he like never got to fully realize that potential. But really, it, it, it you know, empowered and motivated me and, and helped me understand like how precious life is and how short time is. And it created a sense of urgency where it's like now whenever I have influence and stewardship over other people, I just feel this burning desire to help them maximize their human potential and become the best people that they can be as fast as they can be because you just you just never know
0: i haven't had to deal with anything like that especially you know it sounds like you were mentoring him i can't even imagine um one thing that you did say right there at the end was you notice how valuable life was how precious time was and you have this burning desire to just help reps basically level up what's the number one or maybe the top couple things that that you always try to help reps implement so that way they can reach their full potential?
1: Yeah, the, the most important job of a sales leader is to persistently hold in his or her mind the reality of your people's potential. So to not see your people as they currently are, but to constantly see them as they can be. And that's hard. Albert Einstein said, reality is an illusion, albeit a persistent one. So if you have a rep that for the last four years of working with you has primarily been lazy and unproductive, then it's re- it's very hard to see that person as your top performer and see them as anything other than they currently are. But that's our job as leaders And, you know, I would I would spend time meditating, just thinking and visualizing my people one by one in top performing roles on stage receiving awards, training in front of hundreds of other reps, just retraining my subconscious mind to be like, no, 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 that 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 person, John is not a scrub. He could be my next VP, like my next top leader. Because when you see them that way, however you see your people permeates all your interactions with them, it affects how you talk to them, the opportunities you give them, your interactions. And so kind of like the experience I had, where a leader put a new vision into my head, you do that for your people, and they respect you. And so they'll believe that vision, they'll latch onto it, and it'll become their vision. And then they'll start to actualize it and then it'll become reality. So that, that's the most important thing you can do to help others level up.
0: But what about those reps who don't have an awesome leader like you? What about those reps who want to level up but don't know where to start? What, do you, what advice do you have for those guys?
1: Yeah, you, you have to do it for yourself. So again, reality is persistent and it's tough to see yourself through a lens that you've never experienced before. So you just have to force yourself to do it visualization helps a ton meditation, affirmations, like a lot of these cliche things you hear all the time actually work, your subconscious mind is just, it's just a computer, and we just feed it. And so feed it the stuff that's gonna reprogram it to think that you are a top performer, it it has no idea what's actually happening out here, like, it doesn't know that you haven't, that you've bageled all week and you're at the bottom of the leaderboard. And so if you convince it that you're a top performer, it'll start making that happen. And then books, like books have been my mentor because I didn't have mentorship brought up. It's been books.
0: I was going to ask, what are are your favorite couple books that a new rep or a rep that's looking to level up should read outside of your um, six-figure summer and seven-figure summer? Because that's cheating, because that's an obvious answer. Read those first. Um, the
1: 10X rule by Grant Cardone was super impactful for me when I was first starting, just getting me fired up to go embody an insane work ethic. Think and grow rich, as a man thinketh. Those books on positive mental attitude um, were really influential for me, just in reframing my mind to believe that there wasn't anything that was out of reach for me. I could go accomplish anything I wanted, if I believed it was possible. Um, I really love financial, um, literacy was really motivating for me, understanding finance and investing. And it gave me the confidence that I could go invest money and build a seven figure net worth and passive income and invest in real estate. And once I had that vision, and that belief, then it gave me a lot of motivation to just go drive earnings on the doors and make a ton of money. So Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, The Richest Man in Babylon, um, a lot of finance books were really motivating for me.
0: Yeah, just because then you had more of a purpose behind actually needing to make money so you could invest it. What's next for you? Adam Webb, Mr. Successful, 16 years in door to door, beautiful house, amazing family. You have everything, basically everything that anyone could really ever want. Like you could, you could literally retire right now and be 100% fine. What's next?
1: So I, I've always tried to pursue work and align myself with companies um, where I feel the most passionate about the opportunity and the strategy. So I've, I've kind of just followed my passion compass. And that's what's guided me towards my work opportunities. So I know from 16 years now, that I love serving and supporting sales reps and sales leaders. I love it. I loved being a sales rep and a, a sales leader, I loved coaching and mentoring sales reps and, and managers. And so really being in a position where I can create value, for sales reps and sales leaders, it makes me infinitely happy. Um, And then I also really enjoy building companies. So that's the position I'm in now. I had a Blackstone transaction and they're in growth mode. And, you know, there's all sorts of amazing opportunities on the horizon. And so for me, that's just what gets me stoked. You know, long term, there's all sorts of things that interest me. Writing, uh, I obviously love research teaching, consulting, so uh, real estate investing. So long, long term, who knows, but at least for the next 10 years, and I'd be completely happy if it was my entire life's career, um, serving and supporting sales reps and sales leaders and building companies, I love it.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And one hilarious thing that you do, Adam, like your Instagram videos, whoever you have doing your social media and coming up with your ideas, like not only is it freaking sick content, but it's, let's put it this way, go watch one or two of Adam's videos. Like they're the funniest things that catch your attention. Like you can't turn away from it. So I love that. What's your Instagram handle for anyone who wants to go watch some of those videos and follow you?
1: Uh, It's just my full name, Adam K Webb. So at A-D-A-M-K-W-E-B-B.
0: Cool. And then you've got Six Figure Summer, honestly, one of the craziest books out there. Like the way you articulate so many things, like so many ideas that I have in my head, like it wasn't really until I started trying to, I don't know, teach a little bit more, do the podcast that I realized, wow, okay, there is some like serious gold in here. So if you haven't read Six Figure Summer, go buy it. Unfortunately, there's not an audio version, so you have to actually. Flip the pages, um, but yeah, Google it. Six-figure summer, and then once you've read that, seven-figure summer. That's the seven-figure summer is more focused on, you know, building, recruiting, creating an organization. Six-figure summer is just basically things that a rep would need to do to go from, you know, starting out or being a decent rep to becoming great. And one of the key underlying things of this podcast is. Helping sales reps, helping entrepreneurs, helping investors basically go from good to great to GOAT. And so I guess just wrapping up, Adam, what advice would you have for that rep who is trying to go from good to great or trying to get from great to GOAT?
1: Consistency. I mean, every every rep at some point takes a stab at GOAT status, right? They get hyped up. They get motivated. They catch a glimpse of a vision. And they go for it for whatever period of time that is. Some it's a day, then they're like, ah, never mind, that's too hard. Others, it's a week, a month, some a year. But everyone's got this like quitting point. And the key is really consistency. That that's the difference between top performers and bottom performers, is top performers put up numbers regardless of their mood or regardless of circumstance. We talked about it, right? Car stolen. Freeway's on fire, it just I'm sure you have your own stories where it's like the universe is just like, "No, no, 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 no." and you're like, "Yes, yes, 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 and you go make it happen anyway. So that's the best advice you give is consistency.:
0: How do you stay consistent though? Because that's an amazing answer, and it's 100 percent true, but to the rep who's like, "I get it, but I can't do it. What do you need to do to just continue being consistent? winning at a high level?
1: Yeah, so motivation is great. There's things, very specific things you can do to summon more motivation in your life. And as much motivation as you can get, go get it because it makes it that much easier. But the reality is, no matter what you do and who you are, there will be times where there's no motivation. And that's where the safety net of discipline comes in. Because There's actions you can take that will consistently deliver results. Time on the doors, metrics like doors knocked, people talked to, and these things are completely in your control. If you can just build up your discipline muscle to the point where whether you want to or not, you have the ability to force yourself to go do the things that will produce results. Then you just go do those things until you feel motivated again. And that's that. That's top performers right there. That's why they put up numbers. It's not that they're always motivated. That's a fallacy. They're not. They're just better at forcing themselves to do things that they don't want to do.
0: Yeah, they have a bigger vision and so therefore they're willing to to keep pushing and also you talk about it in the book Six Figure Summer the Hustle Muscle. Being consistent, it's making sure you never are taking steps back but always taking an extra step forward. So, you don't have to be The best right now like i think that's one thing that reps oftentimes do is they try to go like so big like yeah shoot big but don't don't let that discourage you you know if you're not if it's difficult you know what i'm saying because it's one of those things where yeah if you're just consistent with it and you just keep up with it and you have a good vision and you quit negative self-talk all of a sudden the job gets a ton easier so If you want to get interviewed by Adam, because I know you guys are hiring and I know that you run, like you're a bad A leader, like you are one of the best, most caring leaders out there. And so I know that there's some rep out there listening who's like, hey, you know what? I'm wanting to make the switch into solar. You can't go wrong at least talking with Adam. So follow him on Instagram, shoot him a DM if if you're wanting to... See if you're one of the lucky few that get to work with Adam. Go buy the book. Thanks so much, Adam, for for chatting with me. Guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Goat Guide. Go follow Adam. Show some love. Tag Adam and also tag me on Instagram with any of your favorite takeaways. My Instagram handle is Andy the Solar Guy. I'll see you again with the next episode. Peace.